A very good morning to all of you tuning in. It's so good to be back here physically, albeit we are live streaming and we are looking forward to May 1st and 2nd weekend where we will all be gathered here physically even for our church service. Hello, uh, good morning. I'm uh, Pastor Jeffrey, one of the pastors here in SIBKL. So if you're new here and joining us first time online, uh, do, uh, there's a link uh, on your screens right now. Uh, do uh, connect with us and we are more than happy uh, to get in touch with you. So we are into this study of the church, the seven churches, the letters to the seven churches. And uh, this morning, we are looking at the church of Thyatira. And this is the longest letter written uh, by our Lord Jesus uh, to one of the smallest city uh, out of these seven churches. And this letter that Jesus wrote to Thyatira has two contrasting extremes. This letter contains the most praises from our Lord Jesus Christ, but it also contains the greatest rebukes. So let's look at the screen now and uh, see where Thyatira was. Okay, if you can show the map uh, of where Thyatira was. Okay, so if you look at the map, uh, Thyatira is very near to Pergamum. So uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, we considered the letter to the church in Pergamum. And as you can remember uh, previously, that Pergamum was where the throne of Satan was. Yeah? And Thyatira being the nearest to Pergamum, uh, and hence uh, they are influenced by the idolatrous and immoral practices of Pergamum. So what are the significant features of the city of Thyatira? So there are two significant features. Number one, uh, from a military standpoint, uh, Thyatira stands out as an outer defense for Pergamum, uh, and they protected the route to the main cities. It is also a commercial center, and many guilds, there is the pottery, the tanners, the weavers, the rope makers, and the dyes guilds. So it is a center of purple dye. And if you remember uh, from Acts chapter 16, verse 14, uh, Lydia, who was one of the first converts in Europe, uh, she was a seller of purple. So only the rich people can afford uh, to buy purple dye or, or purple ropes, yeah? Uh, so it, uh, many trade guilds have their own deity, and Apollo, the sun god, was primarily worshipped there. So the guild dinners have a lot of sex orgies, and it was commonplace in Thyatira. So just pause for a moment. How the Christians in Thyatira, they have... Uh, to really uh, uh, counter all this uh, influence that is really bombarding them from every side. So uh, the pressure that they face from the guilds uh, to participate in this pagan and idolatrous feast. So let's see 
how Thyatira fare. So can you turn with me to your Bibles so you can read off the screen? Uh, let's read Revelations chapter 2, uh, verses 18 to 29. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. If not, uh, just follow me on screen. Let us read. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely until they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I give authority over the nations that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, this is one of the longest letters. In fact, it is the longest letter written by Jesus out of the seven letters. Uh, so let me break down these verses and I will use seven C's, the letter C, uh, even as we look uh, at this letter. So the first C, uh, let us look at the characteristic of Christ, yeah, or the attribute of Christ. So in Revelations uh, 2.18, we read that to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So my question to you this morning, who is Jesus to you? Yeah, so who is Jesus to you? And in this verse, he says that he is the Son of God the one true son of God compared to Apollo, the son of Zeus. So Jesus is fully God with all the attributes of God and he's giving his authoritative place in the Holy Trinity. 
So he said that his eyes are like blazing fire, and he sees through pretenses, and these are eyes of judgment. So this is the holy fire of Jesus, and no one can escape his penetrating look. So Jesus' penetrating uh, gaze of fire is ultimately to heal and not condemn. So fire can be good, safe and warm and useful, or it can be dangerous and rage out of control. So when Jesus looks at you through his holy eyes of fire, what fire is that to you? So, uh, so his feet are like burnished bronze. So what is burnished bronze? So this is symbolic of Jesus standing in authority and bronze speaks of judgment. So the Lord disciplines whom he loves. So even as we look at Jesus' eyes as the holy fire of love, to the believer, you are the object of his love. And his blazing eyes of fire is a flame of judgment and discipline. Like I've said earlier, Jesus disciplines whom he loves. And this same feet, the bronze feet of Jesus, the burnished bronze, this same feet will truly trample his enemies underfoot. Amen? So Satan is under Jesus' feet and he will one day trample his enemies underfoot. So let's look at the second C under the seven C's. And the second C is we look at the commendation of Christ. And in Revelations 2.19, we read, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. So love shows itself in deeds. So if you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. So it is not so much to say, I love you, Lord, but we do not uh, do or show up who we really are. So even as you say to your wife or you say to your girlfriend, I love you, I love you, I love you a thousand times, and during her birthday, you don't buy her flowers, you don't buy her presents, so... Uh, what, what does it show you? I mean, you're just, it's just talk only, you know? Talk is cheap. So, uh, love shows itself in deeds. And uh, what do we see the deeds in Thyatira? So, as you look from the screen, these are the qualities which are commanded by Jesus. So, there are five qualities that Jesus commanded the church of Thyatira. Number one, they, are, they have love and they are very loving uh, towards their fellow believers. And this is really agape love that they have. Number two, they have faith and faithfulness. And these are the expressions of love back to Jesus. And number three, service. So they, they met practical needs and they even have ministries of mercies. They have perseverance, number four, and they practice patient endurance 
and steadfastness. And last but not least, they do more than they did before. So they did not remain stagnant. Wow! If we stop right here uh, with regards to this letter of Jesus to the church in Thyatira, they would have scored A++. Amen? But sadly, there is a concern and there's a criticism, a scathing rebuke from Jesus. So, please light up the, your chat, uh, the chat room and uh, what do you think about SIBKL, our beloved church? Do you think we have these five qualities as listed like Thyatira? So, if you think that we have, do light up the chat room and let us know. I definitely think that SIBKL have these qualities that has been mentioned, and we did not remain stagnant. In fact, uh, praise the Lord, SIBKL, we have truly been blessed by God, and God has moved us from glory to glory. Amen? And this is to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that was the second C, the commendation of Christ. Let's now look at the third C, the concerns and caution of Christ. Let's read verse 20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So here we see that Jesus rebukes our tolerance of sin. Thyatira, as we have discovered earlier, is known for their purple dye trade, bronze and pottery works, and many other trade guilds. So each trade guild have their own gods and deity, and each festival and feasting have their own sexual orgies to their own god. So Thyatira was strong in love, but they were weak in doctrine. And in Psalm 115 verse 8, we read that those who make them, that means their idols, will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. So you become like the God you worship. So my brothers and sisters, dear friends, this morning, let me ask you a question. Who is your idol? Is it your career? Is it your girlfriend? Is it your boyfriend? Is it even your children? Or even your ministry? Yes, even your ministry could be your idol. So who is your idol? Because you will become the God that you worship. And in the next slide, we see that truly they tolerate Jezebel's teaching, the allowed sinful heresy and people to stay in sexual immorality and idolatry. And this rebuke of Jesus is twofold. Number one, Jesus rebuked those who are committing the sin, but more than that, Jesus rebukes the church leaders for not dealing with the sin of sexual immorality and idolatry. 
idolatry. So who is this Jezebel and what does she represent? So if you have tuned in uh, yesterday and this morning uh, to Pastor Chu's sermon, uh, she explained thoroughly and so well who this Jezebel was. So uh, in 1 Kings 16, you can read about it uh, later on. And uh, the, the Hebrew name or Hebrew word for Jezebel is Isabel. And it means rubbish, garbage, manure, and truly, boy, these ladies things. Yeah? So, uh, if you ever have a baby daughter, don't ever name your daughter Jezebel. There are so many other names, yeah? So, uh, please don't name her Jezebel because truly, in the Hebrew, this name means rubbish, garbage, or manure. So this lady truly stings. And Jezebel is used as a synonym for sexually promiscuous or controlling woman. She calls herself a prophet and she teaches and leads God's servants astray. So scripture calls idolatry the same thing as spiritual adultery. Like an unfaithful wife, leaving her husband. So Jezebel, in a sense, represents things in our life that leads to idolatry, that leads to worshipping things instead of God. And the perennial problem with the church at Thyatira was that they tolerated Jezebel's doctrine. Though they would score A-plus in a lot of areas, there was one area that flunked the church at Thyatira, and it is tolerance. And this tolerance led to compromise. And let's look at these three main areas that they tolerated the woman Jezebel, which led to compromise. Number one, there is this desire to fit in with the culture of the time. So Thyatira was famous for its commercial guilds. So the teaching of Jezebel goes something like this. How are you going to do business if you don't join in the crowd? You will lose your business and will have no money to tag. So it sounds so righteous and legitimate, right? So Jezebel's teaching was getting more and more popular because it sounded so righteous, it sounded so legitimate. How are you going to do business if you don't follow the crowd? So uh, she keeps on pounding them with this doctrine, God is gracious, God understands, it is okay, you need to keep your job, you need to earn a living. You need to blend with the culture of the company. It sounds very familiar. And uh, even in my own life in the corporate world, uh, there is this term which my colleagues uh, and the bosses that I worked under previously in the corporate world, they say that if you do not join the crowd, it is a career-limiting move. Yeah? So, 
my bosses, uh, every Friday or Thursday evening, they like to go drinking, yeah? Happy hour. So if you don't join in with them, they will say, ah, are you Christians so holy, you don't join us? But I refrain from joining them, and they say that, oh, what you did is a career-limiting move. But hallelujah, praise the Lord. Even though I didn't join them, I rose up the ranks to quite a high position in, in the corporate world. And uh, young adults, whoever you are tuning in out there, let me assure you that God honours your faithfulness. You don't have to join in the crowd you don't have to fit into the culture of the company. God knows you and promotion comes from the Lord. Amen. And number two, uh, the tolerance leading to compromise. There is a failure of the church of Thyatira to rightly define sin. So many churches today said to say they are like Thyatira. We no longer call sin what it is. We start wanting to use words that don't sound so offensive and we even redefine the word tolerance. So the definition of new tolerance is that every individual's beliefs, lifestyle and the perception of truth are equal. So there is no hierarchy of truth your beliefs and my beliefs and all truth is relative. Is that so? So in essence, by definition, these so-called tolerant people who redefine the word tolerant, they are actually intolerant of us Christians because they tend to label Christians a certain way. So are they in essence, tolerant of us Christians when they say, no thanks, I do not want to join you, are they tolerant of us? So in the same way, they are also intolerant of us. And the third uh, tolerance which led to compromise, it is a failure to stand for the truth. And what does the Bible say how the, we should react to heresy and false teaching? Let's Look at what Paul said to his disciple, Timothy. Let's read 1 Timothy 6, uh, verses 20 to 21. Paul charged Timothy, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing, have wandered from the faith. And in Titus 1 verse 10 to 16, you can read this passage in your own time, but the gist of this passage is we must rebuke those who fail to do good. Amen? So I believe that the church today is in the danger of doing the same thing, tolerating a bunch of ridiculous belief because like Thyatira, we are too tolerant. We are too loving to speak the truth. We are afraid of losing our members or the argument. 
And so we fold our arms, we sit idly, and we allow ignorance and even heresy to infiltrate the church. So let, and Martin Luther King said it best, the next slide, uh, even uh, with regards to tolerance, which led to compromise. Here is what Martin Luther King Jr. said. There comes a time when silence is betrayal. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. You know, we have heard this phrase ever so often, even from this pulpit. If you have nothing good to say, don't say. But the context of this saying, you have nothing good to say, don't say, is so that we don't talk bad about people in general. But if we see something amiss with the church, or if we see something amiss with a brother or a sister, we must speak the truth in love. Amen? So, uh, we, we should not uh, always hold to this principle, oh, I've got nothing good to say, I better don't say. But if somebody, there's something amiss with the brother or the sister, let us speak the truth in love. Amen? So, uh, the next slide, you can see this advertisement. If you go to America in the highways and the byways, there are this gigantic billboard advertising, life is short, have an affair. My goodness. So this is an advertisement put up by a dating agency and their clientele are married people. So what they are actually propagating is, hey, life is too short, have an affair. Even though you are married, you can have an affair. Why stick to one wife or why stick to one husband? So uh, they did an interview with uh, the owner of this advertising agency and he said that, hey, I didn't force people to have an affair. It's a free choice. It's, it's a freedom of choice. So this is exactly what Jezebel's spirit propagate. And what is the church stand on this? Just because she calls herself a prophet does not mean that she is. So we are asked to test the spirit. So we as believers should be able to discern the schemes of the devil. You know, the devil is not very bright up here, yeah? So his schemes, he's not that creative. But unfortunately, we fail into the schemes of the devil over and over again. So in verse 21, we read, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So dear friends, don't get comfortable with sin. Let's repent. And even as you read this verse in verse 21, this truly reveals the patient grace of Jesus. Even for habitual, unrepentant sinners, when we sin and it seems that we got away with it, 
nobody knows uh, what we did. You know, have you ever wondered that perhaps that this is God's grace extended to you to repent? That is God's patience that you may escape the flame of judgment. There is always consequences to our actions when we sin. Yes, there is forgiveness, but there is also consequences that we need to deal with. So one sign of maturity for the Christian is when we realize that every choice that we make comes with a consequence, whether for good or for bad. Pride is when we feel that, hey, we are above the rule, uh, we serve a gracious God, and, and that is how Jezebel behaves, and she was unrepentant. So don't become like the frogs in this picture that we get too comfortable relaxing in this warm pot of fire under the slow fire. And after a while, without you realizing it, we become frog broth, yeah? So don't be so comfortable with sin. You may end up like the frogs in this picture. So the fourth C is the correction and the chastisements of Christ. So let's read verse 22. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. So before Jesus told the Christians in Thyatira what they must do, he first told them, what he would do. He would chastise this Jezebel and cast her into a sickbed along with those who commit adultery with her. So notice in verse 22, it says, unless they repent of her ways. So to adopt Jezebel's ways is to commit adultery with her. So the reference to adultery is important. It speaks of both sexual immorality and spiritual adultery. When Christians honoured other gods, they were unfaithful to the Lord who saved them. And for this reason, that's why this verse, the figure of a sick babe is fitting. They were guilty of adultery and uh, the figure of the sickbed, uh, both sexual and spiritual, it is as if Jesus said, you love an unclean bed. Here, I give you a sickbed. I cast you into that sickbed. So what was the sickbed? It could simply be an image of affliction or it could be a literal sickness that Jesus allowed in the lives of Jezebel and her followers as a form of chastisement. So we know from passages in Scripture, such as in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30, that God can use sickness as a way to chastise uh, His people when they are in sin. 
So let's look at a portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 5 on how uh, the Apostle Paul dealt with this whole issue of adultery. So let's read 1 Corinthians 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Oh, serious, huh? And you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. So how could they deliver such a one to Satan? The punishment is what we term in the modern day as excommunication, i.e. a removal of spiritual protection and social comfort, and it is not an infliction of evil. So Paul's command also serves the important purpose of removing any false feeling of security the sinning man might have among the fellowship of Christians. The church couldn't just ignore his sin and let him ignore it, pretending it wasn't there. So if the man refused to face his sin, the church must face it for him, for his sake, and for the sake of the church. So in these many years that I have been in SIBKL, thank God we only dealt with a similar issue with regards to adultery once. And thank God the brother was restored when he repented and he's now serving in another church. So the remedy here is always restoration and never condemnation. Yeah, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, uh, if you read further, it suggests that this, said, this very same brother who committed adultery with the father's wife uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, we read in 2 Corinthians 6 that he was restored into fellowship. So in Verse 23, moving along, I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. So the next slide, uh, even as we have read uh, verse 23, uh, this is the consequence of uh, even... Jesus striking her children dead and all the churches setting an example to the churches that he will strike the children dead. So what is this striking 
the children did. Uh, can you move to the next slide? Yeah, thanks. So, for the unrepentant, the consequence of sin is death. So, when Jesus say, I will strike her children death, if you have time, uh, please read 1 Kings 22, and we read even Ahaziah, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab and Jezebel, he followed the ways of the parents and he fell uh, out of a window uh, and he died in his bed. So the consequence of sin is truly uh, very frightening and the charge of Christ to us in Revelation 2 verse 24 is, Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching, and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. Amen. Uh, please show verse 24 on screen, the charge of Christ. This is the fifth C, that we are just to hold on to what we have until Christ come. So, hold on to what? Hold on to the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tetelestai, it is finished. Hold on to that little faith that you have, the little mustard seed faith that you have. And truly, what is Christ's reward for us? And this is the sixth C that truly... Uh, Let's read uh, verse 26 to 28. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them into pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give to the one the morning star. So in verse 26, the connection here is that we are able to rule our hearts and not give in to idolatry and immorality. We will rule with Christ in the coming age. One writer puts verse 26 this way, and let me read and you follow me on screen, uh, he put this verse this way. The next slide, please. Yeah, so he says, Beloved, say no to immorality, idolatry, and fornication now. Rule your spirit in love now. I promise you, I will take it so personally that you did it for love for me. You are the kind of person to whom I will give governments over nations because I want somebody to rule nations who values ruling their spirit because of love for me. If you do it that way now in love, I know you will rule nations because of love in the age to come. Wow, beloved in Christ, wouldn't you want to rule with Christ over the nations? Imagine what it will be. It will be an awesome time for all of us. 
And the second Christ reward is that we will rule and reign with him. That one will rule with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. So yesterday from Pastor Liu's sermon, we learned that the church of Thyatira had lost their spiritual authority. Here, authority is given to the overcomer. Just as Jesus has received authority from his Father, hallelujah, he will give us this authority even as we rule with him with an iron scepter and we will dash to pieces the people who are wavered like pottery. And the third reward is Jesus will give us the morning star. And who is this morning star? The morning star is Jesus himself. And he offered this as our great reward even as we overcome. Amen. Hallelujah. So dear church, the commission that Christ has for all of us is that whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And this is a letter not just to Thyatira, it applies to all of us, it applies to everyone. And truly, uh, even as we look at this verse from Titus chapter 2, let's join me even as we read this verse, yeah? And, and let these verses just sing into our spirit man. Yeah, let's join me. Ready? One, two, three. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. Amen. Hallelujah. So may you truly Take in these verses and even as you look at this logo that our Mac team has put up even for our church theme for this year, uh, I think they were truly inspired by God. If you look at this logo, together we overcome. It looks like a crown. And what does the crown symbolize? This crown symbolize that this is the reward that Jesus will crown us for those who overcome. So together, we will overcome. And my prayer for you and I, even as we consider this letter to Thyatira, that we will stand for the truth, that we will keep His word to the end, and we will be known as a church that speaks the truth in love. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. 
Let's close our eyes and bow our heads even as we bring this to a close. Even in the stillness of your living room or wherever that you're tuning in to us right now, I pray that if this is the very first time that you've heard the message of God being delivered to you and you want to come into this holy fire of love, that the question that we need to ask ourselves, which fire awaits you? If you are a Christian walking in love, in truth and obedience, Jesus' holy of fire of love is one that will warm you, that will purify you and will guide you. But if you are a Christian walking in rebellion, that fire is one that will chastise you, that will correct you in judgment towards repentance. But there is a third fire, and that fire exists for those who do not know Christ. And that is the eternal fire, lake of fire, that awaits those who have never placed their trust in Jesus. So dear friends, if you want to receive Jesus into your heart, there is a link that is being shown on the screen right now. There's a prayer room that you can go into and there are prayer ministers who are there waiting for you to pray for you. But this morning, I would like to address those Christians who are struggling with sin, who are struggling with challenges in life. And I pray that truly, this morning, even as you have heard this message and you want to rededicate your life to Christ, may I request you to follow me even as we come before the Lord in repentance and we pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive us for our unrepentant heart. Forgive us that many a times we have tolerated the spirit of Jezebel and we have indulged in spiritual adultery and sexual immorality. I pray, Lord, that even as you cleanse the church of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you forgive us our sins, that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness and you will restore back to us the spiritual authority that you've given us that was lost because of our waywardness, because of our tolerance of sin. Forgive us, Lord, even as we rededicate our lives to you. May you receive us back. May you build us back again, O Lord, and may you truly wrap us around your arms of love, that truly your holy fire of love will truly cleanse us, will truly empower us and renew us, O Lord. We thank you. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So let's arise even as we worship the Lord with this song. Hallelujah. 
Now may God bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance towards each one of us and grant us His shalom peace. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, do go into the prayer room if you require prayers and have a blessed week ahead. God bless you. I'll see you around.